0: Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. These next couple weeks, we are... We are focusing on this. We're focusing on rejoicing. We're focusing on praising. So these next two weeks are going to look maybe a little bit different than the last several weeks have been. We're going to do a lot of singing. We're going to go through psalms that talk about rejoicing. And, you know, we read scripture that says, like, rejoice. And if we don't, like, rejoice and sing, it seems kind of silly, right? So we're going to be spending some time rejoicing. So open up your Bibles uh, with me to this psalm I just read, Psalm 97. Psalm ninety-seven. If you're unfamiliar with your Bible, you can totally do like just the open to the middle, and you're gonna find Psalms, and then find the big ninety-seven. That's where you, that's where you go. Open up your Bibles to Psalm ninety-seven. We're gonna be in Psalm ninety-seven this week, and then Psalm ninety-eight next week. So if you feel like reading ahead, go for it. If you're in Psalm ninety-seven, poke your neighbor's forehead. it's not covid friendly i know uh so there are some things in this world that are good right and there are some things in this world that are great and there are some things in this world that are good and great okay let me explain i personally am a huge fan of like the plastic cheese you know Like the orange cheese, like the cheese that's totally not real cheese, but you like pour it over nachos or like the American cheese that you put on a Chick-fil-A sandwich or like, you know, like, or the cheese that you dip your pretzels in, you know, or the queso dip, you know, that you like put your, like the orange stuff, that stuff, there's no way it's real cheese. I have no idea what it's made of. It's so good. It's just not great for you, you know? Like, (laughs) I also am a huge fan of mac and cheese. Cheese is apparently a theme in my life. Personally, I think Danae Rushing makes the best mac and cheese in the world. She makes it for my birthday, and man, that stuff is so good. It's not great for you, but it's really good. It's really good. Things that are great for you sometimes aren't good. Like, have you heard of this stuff called turmeric? It's like yellowish, orangish. I don't think it tastes good. It's strange. But apparently it's really good for you. (laughs) Leah, thumbs up. It's really good for you. Right, sometimes you have to take like medicines or things to like that are like good for you. Kale is apparently good for you. I have to drown kale in some other stuff usually to make it work. Kale in a smoothie, I can handle that. Put enough mangoes in it and it's fine. Right? Kale is kale is good great it's great for you. It just doesn't taste that good. I felt bad. My spouse came home. I didn't tell him I was going to give this example with a box of kale the other day. And I was like, what are we going to do with that? (laughs) I mean, I guess we can make a salad out of it. It Add a lot of dressing on it. Kale is, is great for you. It's just not that good. There are some things that are both. They are good and great. And I tried to think of some examples. But the prime example I have in my heart right now, because I'm a snob, is tea. Tea, you're like, tea? Really good? You chose tea? Tea is good. It tastes good. It's good tea. I have really good tea in my house right now. It's so good. And it's pretty great for you, depending on the kind of tea you get, you know? Coffee, I thought about coffee, but it's technically that much caffeine is probably not that great for you. There are things that are good. There are things that are great. It's awesome when both of those things come together, when things are good and great, when things are like great as in like powerful and amazing and awesome, but they're also like good, like nice and kind and and good for you, and man, we get excited about those things that are good and great, and those are the things that are worth rejoicing over, like we rejoice over those things, and the psalm that we're going to read tonight telling us to rejoice, but what are we rejoicing in, and is it worth rejoicing in? Like I said, over the next two weeks, we're going to dive into a couple of psalms here um, that give us a reason to rejoice. That's our little mini-series we're doing right now, is a reason to rejoice. And man, guys, we just came out of James. Do you remember this? We were there for 12 weeks, okay? So if you showed up anywhere in the last, like, three months, you're good. We've been in James for, for 12 weeks, and the opening lines with James, right, was, count it all joy when you face trials. And so we're going into these psalms that are teaching us to rejoice, to practice this joy and the struggle. And so we're beginning right here with Psalm 97. Let me read the first uh, seven verses for us again. Are you there in Psalm 97? By the way, bring this on a Wednesday night. Not my Bible, your Bible. This is my crusty Bible. Bring your Bible on a Wednesday night. If it's your phone, your neighbor still has a right to knock it out of your hand. my favorite thing. Okay. (laughs) Psalm 97. Here we go. He says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. All worshipers of images are put to shame. Who make their boasts and worthless idols, worship him, all you gods. This opening line of the Psalms causes us to to look our eyes up to the heavens and look out to creation. And the thing that we see is that creation, all of creation and the nations bow before the greatness of God. Creation and all the nations bow before the greatness of God. Um, I don't know how many of you know this. I love how there's powdered donut everywhere. This is great. Side note. I actually was born in Colorado, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80925. If you don't know your address, memorize it. I still remember that from when I was a child. Uh, Colorado Springs, and Colorado is different than here, surprise. Um, It's higher altitude. I literally lived in a brand new housing complex that literally I would look out. You know the song, Is It America Beautiful? where it's like, Purple Mountains Majesty. (laughs) Thank you, Robin, for finishing it. Literally, the purple mountains of majesty were in my backyard. Like, Sunday morning, I remember getting up early for church and looking out, and there's this massive rocky mountain range, and they're all purple and beautiful. And it's just like, they really are purple. God made purple mountains. That's crazy. Um, But the thing that I remember about Colorado that is so different from here, the storms are wild. Wild. So, like... You know how our clouds out here look like this? They're just, like, flat, and they, like, dump rain all the time? Every once in a while, I look at the Toy Story clouds. We've had that a couple days. But, like, mostly it's just, like, a flat blanket. Dude, their clouds are big and black, and there's, like, lightning and thunder in them. I remember multiple nights, you know, I'm, like, running to my mom's room because it's, like, the thunder. You can feel the thunder, like, in the bones of your body, and you're, like, I'm going to die. You're like running to hide. I remember one day I was I was in I was in okay also perspective. I was in Colorado when I was in kindergarten and first grade. A very tiny person, okay. And like I remember one day it rained so hard they sent us home early because they knew a big like thunderstorm was happening. And it rained so, so, so hard. I remember getting on the bus, and the water is just, like, splashing up over the curbs. And I know, I know, you're from Washington. You're like, water. But it was, like, a ton of water, and it was, like, splashing over the curbs. And I was in kindergarten. I thought, God broke his promise. He's going to flood the earth again. It's going to, we're going to die. I was, like, so traumatized that, like, it was going to flood And, dude, hail there was unreal. Like, at least a golf ball size, if not bigger. Like, I remember we were (laughs) buying a vacuum cleaner. I don't know. (laughs) My memories are fuzzy. And we were leaving the vacuum cleaner store, and we had to pull under an overpass. You know, like, we're on the freeway, and there's, like, a bridge above it. We had to pull under one of those because it was hailing so hard. It was, like, breaking windshields off of other cars around us. Like, man... I was in like kindergarten. It was a scary place to grow up. And winters, man, there was a winter where, like, Blizzard was literally as tall as our front door. And we had, like, a 10-foot-tall front door. Maybe it's a little too tall. But we definitely had a tall front door. Man, creation is crazy. Right? There is a power. There is a greatness. There is an awe in creation that we, like, it puts us in our place. We're like, oh, I'm so small. Oh, this is so big. This is so scary. But what this psalm shows us is that creation is actually telling a story of God. You know, when we see powerful forces of nature, like the thick clouds, like the fires we experienced last year, or lightning, or in this passage, mountains melting, you're like, what? You know, when you go out camping and you see the constellations above, away from the the city lights, man, these are not like little pansy moves of creation. These are amazing things, and it shows the power of God. You know, we're not in Colorado, but here we see the mountains, right? We see the beautiful gorge. You know, we have beautiful, like, greenery everywhere. The sea is close, you know, and the fact is we're we're constantly surrounded by the fact that nature could crush us any day, you know? Like, we got volcanoes in our backyard, and there's that earthquake that everyone's promised that's gonna, like, throw everything from that side of two five into the ocean, you know? Like, we're surrounded by things that are great and powerful, but what it shows us is the undeniable power of God. When these things rage, when creation puts us in our place and we see these stars and galaxy, it's a actually awesome moment. And yet our God, our God is bigger than any of those things. He actually is in charge of all those things. And what's crazy about this passage, look at it, his creation actually shows um, his character. Look right there in verse two. It says, clouds and thick darkness are all around him, but righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Verse six, he says, "The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the people see His glory. We see that his righteousness and justice is shown through these power, through these forces of nature. And it's kind of interesting because when you see creation like this and how powerful creation is, it, it gives you a proper fear of the Lord. right? Look, look at a uh, man, look at verse three. He says fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. Why is this God just burning people up? It's really weird. Dude, God is so powerful and so amazing that for those who are enemies to God have a real reason to fear. But those who are people of God, who love God, who follow him, see that and they rejoice. What does it mean that we have a God who is all-powerful but also is good? I was trying to think of a couple examples. Um, One example I had, I don't know, how many of you have seen the original, like, Aladdin movie? Real Disney people. Okay. There's a difference between the genie having ultimate cosmic power, yeah, and, like, Jafar. Yeah? Are you following? Right? Like, Jafar having ultimate cosmic power is no good, right? He gets it, and they're like, No! Ah, so everything's going to go too bad. Or, more uh, recent, uh, my Marvel nerds out there, this, the super soldier serum. Say that ten times fast, right? Like, super soldier serum to, like, it just amplifies what that person is. So if that person's got, like, a chip on their shoulder or vengeance or whatever. Like, that expands. But you give it to Captain America, who's a delicate little dandelion but also a delightful soul, like, becomes a great person, Right? But the super soldiers here, right? Like our God isn't just powerful. Like, he isn't just this all-powerful thing, but he's actually also good. He has justice. He has righteousness. That means he's not just this powerful, sadistic God that wants to burn up people and wants to crush people, but he takes care of the evil. He lets good live. We see this one who, like, spoke creation to existence also holds it together by his goodness. It's so important that the God we serve is both good and he is so powerful, and it's why we rejoice. And we see how the nations respond to him. Let's look at our last couple of verses here. It says, verse 7 of this section, he says, All worshipers of images are put to shame, who make their boast in worthless idols. Worship him, all you gods. Like, the nations see this amazing God. They see this amazing God, and their little, like, idols, their little images look, like, really silly. They're like, oh, man, my God can't do that. It's like showing up to, like, a brand-new skyscraper build with your, like, Legos. i are like, I can help. They're like, kid, get out of here. <laughs> or my, someone that somebody gave me today was, um, uh, it's like showing up to the skate park with your tech deck. <laughs> I was like, that is hilarious. You're like running around the skate park, like zoom (laughs) down the half pipe. Like you look really silly. Oh, man. Or another one was uh, like you show up to an international game streaming tournament with your Game Boy that doesn't even connect to the internet. You're like, what is a Game Boy? Back, Back in the day, guys, I had the Game Boy Color. It was cool, Okay, like. It, this is what our idols look like in the face of this kind of God. And we all have them. Like your idol, my idol of how people see us and perceive us is, is silly compared to, to God. Like my idol, our idols of like achievements and reputation and accomplishments and making our name known look silly compared to this God. Dude, your, <laughs> our, your Snapchat notifications or streaks look really silly in the middle of an earthquake. Like, our idols look silly compared to the greatness of God. And so we see this greatness of God in creation, and it causes us to rejoice. Because he, he has righteousness and justice. So we see this greatness. We see that all creation and all nations bow before the greatness of the Lord. And we'll see next that we have an even greater reason to rejoice. But right now I want us to respond to this truth, that creation shows us the greatness of God. And so we are. We're going to rejoice together. So you it's to, it to offer to- him
1: praises. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? We're going to continue in this psalm. Yes, you guys can go ahead and take a seat again. I know we're going back and forth. Psalm 97, starting in verse 8. I want everyone to look at it. Psalm 97, starting in verse 8, it says this, Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. O you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints, he delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Friends, we are called to live lives of worship. We are called to rejoice in all seasons. There is always a reason for you and I to rejoice about what the Lord is doing. We always have a reason to rejoice. Amen? Do you believe that? Look at this, verse 8. So we heard, uh, you know, Courtney was talking. Courtney was, uh, you know, walking through the first part of this text. We know that God is great, we know that God is mighty. We see lightning. We see mountains uh, melting. We see fire, these beautiful, uh, wonderful images of the Lord's awesome power. We believe that the Lord is great, and we also believe that the Lord is good. We believe that He is great. We believe that He is good. And we believe that He is good to you and I personally. We believe that the Lord knows you. The Lord knows when you're walking through a hard season. The Lord knows what you walked into this room with. The Lord knows all of these things, and he is great, and he is good always. And that's why we always have the opportunity to respond with lives that are full of worship to the Lord. Not just with our song, but with our finances, with our time, with our words, with our actions, with everything that we have. Look at verse 8. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O God. See friends, we always have a reason to rejoice. We we worship a God who is good and is great. Now maybe some people in this room sometimes you you look at those kind of two pretty broad attributes of God, good and great, and maybe you are a person who might gravitate towards one or the other and maybe lose sight of the other one, an example of this would be if you are viewing God as uh, as just good, as somebody who is uh, you know simply uh, your friend who personally loves you, who cares about you, and you lose sight of His greatness, His awesome power in the universe. Then sometimes where that person is tempted to view Jesus kind of like their cosmic buddy, you know, kind of like their you know uh, person who is just kind of patting you on the back whenever you do something good. And sometimes you lose sight of his holiness, his greatness. And maybe, and this is sometimes where I tend to fall, you know and are aware of the greatness and the power of God, but you forget that he knows you, that he loves you, and he cares for you, and he cares about what you're going through. And verse 8 is a really good example of how God is good and he knows us personally. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice. The scene here now takes a very personal turn. There's a very clear break here. It takes a very uh, specific reference towards the people of God. Zion, God's chosen uh, city, a reference to the people of God, right? Uh, The daughters of Judah, specifically the tribe of Judah. This is, again, this is an identifying statement here, referring to God's people. And the people of God rejoice to the Lord. The people are glad because what the Lord hears them. And what does the verse say? Because of your judgments Oh Lord. See, the, the God who is exalted above all of creation, his people are glad because of it. They're glad because of what? His judgments. They rejoice because of the Lord's justice. The Lord is in his very nature just, he is the only one who determines what's wrong and what's right. You and I don't get to uh, decide what we think is good, what we think is uh, best or not best. God is the only one who is the righteous judge, and the people who follow after the Lord are really, really happy about that. They're really happy of what the Lord deems is good and what the Lord deems is not good. This could have been a reference towards uh, the way the Lord dealt with uh, the enemies of Israel, the people uh, uh, who were attacking Israel, and the Lord brought judgment to them. It could have been a reference to um, the way that the Lord blessed Israel or way, it could have been a reference to many other things, but we know this, the people of God rejoice that God is good and his judgment is good and he is still good today. Friends, we worship the Lord. We, followers of God rejoice in the goodness of God. That's your second blank there. I kind of forgot we were doing blanks. Followers of God rejoice in the goodness of God. Look at verse 9. It says this, For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. There's, Of course, in this time, in this uh, you know, context specifically, there is the temptation often to follow after false gods, to follow after and start to actually worship things that were not God above uh, not the uh, God of Yahweh, the God that we worship. We don't, uh, you know, we today in 2021, we read that and think, okay. Uh, you know, for you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted above all, uh, all gods. And we hear that today and we think that and we think, well, great. I don't have a problem with worshiping other gods. That's awesome. I only know one God. And I don't, you know, all those other gods, they probably fell out, like, culturally. They probably fell out, uh, you know, thousands of years ago. And, like, I'm not tempted to worship other gods, but, friends, there is always a temptation for us to worship something that isn't God. That is always a temptation because you and I were made to worship, not just in the sense of singing, but with our entire lives. There is always something. Every fiber in our being wants to ascribe worth to something or someone else. That's the way God created us, and that's really good, but we were created to ascribe worth to God with our speech, with our song, with our lives, with everything that we have. And here the psalmist is proclaiming that, God, you are high, most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Friends, we worship, we sing to God because he is the only one worth rejoicing in. We sing to God, we rejoice in the uh, the Lord because he is the only one worthy of that worship in our lives, friends. There is no room for anyone or anything else to sit on the throne that is rightfully God's in our lives. And the psalmist declares this in verse nine. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. Most high, holy, separate, Set apart. That's who God is. God just isn't just like a little bit better than like the best person you know. That's not quite his thing. Like if you were like rank all your best friends, and you're like, oh, my mom is the best person I know. Like God must just be like a little bit better than her. Or my dad or my best friend, they're like my favorite person. And God's probably like up there a little bit. God is what? The most high, holy, separate, set apart. And he is the only one we worship. He needs to be the only one we ascribe ultimate value to in our lives and in our day-to-day walk. Is he right there right now on the throne of your heart, friends? Are we you ascribing with your life? Are you declaring that day by day? For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. There is the temptation for us To look at things, to look at other people, to look at other circumstances, and create these miniature idols in our lives. But friends, God alone is the only one that we sing to. God is the only one, needs to be the only one, the only reason that we rejoice. Friends, there's no question that we were made to worship. But the question that we do have to ask ourselves sometimes is, what are you worshiping right now? What are you ascribing ultimate value to? What are you living your life for? What are you dwelling on and thinking of the most? For you, O oh Lord, the psalmist says, are most high over all the earth. We saw his awesome power displayed in the first couple of verses. We saw his power and rule and dominion over the earth. And the psalmist rightfully declares, For you, O oh Lord, it's you. You are the one. And we follow suit. We do the same exact thing. May that be the cry of our heart as well, verse 9. Then continuing on in verse, you know, so we see a very personal connection in verse 8. We see that the followers of God rejoice in the goodness of God on a very personal level, a very specific, real, intimate way. We know that God is the only one to be ascribed ultimate worth to. We know that God is the only one worth worshiping. And verse 10 and 11 says this, O you who love the Lord... So that's talking about us. Are you who love the Lord, the person who claims to be a Christian, hate evil? Okay. He preserves the lives of his saints, and he delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for righteousness and the joy for the upright in heart. Friends, the Lord preserves and protects his people. When we follow the Lord closely, when, when you... Um, When you follow the Lord closely, when you walk with him year after year, year after year, days, months, as you continue to walk closer with the Lord, friends, you begin to hate the things he hates and love the things he loves. And the psalmist is declaring, you, us, the people of God, hate evil. It's what we're supposed to do. It's who we are. He preserves the lives of his saints and he delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Isn't that just such a beautiful verse? Again, this is a very personal statement here. The Lord delivers us from the enemy. The Lord preserves our very lives. From what? What are we being preserved from? What are we being protected from? Well, we see the wicked, and we also see in verse 10, evil. Evil, sinfulness. The Lord has again, we've seen it, the righteous judge, he has determined what is good and what is not good. And we see that just by following after him, just by being close with him, by avoiding sin, he is protecting us. He is protecting us from the thing that is going to destroy us, and that would be evil. That would be sinfulness. Because blessings come when we follow after the Lord, because God is good. It doesn't always look like earthly blessings, but the very blessing of simply being closer with him. Oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. What a beautiful picture. The God who melts mountains holds you and protects you in his hands. Do you believe that? Is that something that you actually believe, that you actually know? The Lord, who has this awesome, mighty power, has preserved and protected you. If you're a follower of Jesus, how beautiful is that? I uh, I've kind of told this story before in Tribes, um, but I am I have a pretty humble record collection that I care a lot about, and. When I've, I've moved, you know, when you're, in your, when you're in your early 20s, you move just, like, a billion times. It's just kind of what happens. You, like, go to college, and you're not in college, and then you, like, get roommates, and then, like, the one roommate is, like, I'm getting married, and you're, like, oh, okay, cool, I guess I'll move out of your house. Like, you know, it just happens. So I had to move about, like, five times in the past, like, three years, maybe, and every single time, the one thing that I actually cared about was my record collection, Like everything else, I'm like, if my bed gets there, great. Couch, eh, he's just like, you can have it. I can just leave it here. But the one thing I actually cared the most about was this record collection. I was trying to protect and preserve this thing because if anything had happened, if any of my records had fallen out or gotten scratched or whatever, I was gonna be mad. And so if I was just moving like down uh, you know, in Illinois just to like a different suburb, I would always have a very specific process of where I would put the records. I'd strap them into the car. I would just make sure that they were protected. I would drive about like 20 miles an hour under the speed limit, right? I would put like a blanket fort around them and I'm like, you're gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be fine. Right. (laughs) It's true. And then all of a sudden, I'm moving across the country to Washington. And I was like, oh, no, what am I going to do with these records so that I I knew. So we were going to like get pods, which is like this thing that come pick up your stuff and then they like ship it across the country or whatever. And it's really convenient. It's awesome. And I was, again, all the things I was worried about out of all the things, the one thing I was like, as long as my records get there, I'll be all right. I started doing research, research about like temperature changes, like as the elevation changes, like will it get warped from like X amount of like, degrees or whatever, and they're like, if it doesn't get over 100 degrees, it's okay. I'm like, well, it could, maybe in January, in, like the middle of Utah, I don't know, maybe. And so I did this, I got like these uh, Tupperware bins, like the massive ones, I wrapped all of my records in bubble wrap and blankets, and then I put pillows on top and around. And you know, the day that it showed up here to Washington, I like opened it up and like threw everything else to the side. I'm like, where are they? (gasps) Yes. And they were fine. Perfect. Just like I had planned. And friends, you protect things like that when you care about things, right? You don't protect the things that you don't really care about. And what does it say that the Lord does? He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Friends, You only protect things that you care about. And the Lord protects and preserves you and your life. He is good and he guides you and directs you through this life, friends. And he cares about you a whole lot more than I care about my stupid records. That's absolutely true. Way more. So much more. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Friends, if you're following after Jesus, the Lord has protected you from years and years of sin. If you've been following after Jesus since you were like six years old and now you're 12, that is six years of protection and deliverance from evil. And older adults in the room know the same thing. They can look back on their lives and think and we can remember, man, where would I have been if it were not not for the Lord? What would have happened to me? What decisions would I have made? Where would I have wandered to if it wasn't from the Lord? He preserves the lives of us, his people, the saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Friends, God is good. And what do we get to do because of this? Because he's protected us. Because he is good. Because he can melt mountains and do amazing, awesome things. What do we do? Verse 12, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. That's our response because of his goodness, because of his deliverance. The psalmist is just declaring the the things of God, the the heart of the Lord, the heart of the Lord for the nations, the heart of the Lord for uh, his overall glory being shown amongst the world, and his heart for you and for me. And our response is, verse 12 Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Friends, if you've redeemed, this is a good thing. This is a wonderful thing to be excited about, right? Like, I know it's cool, like now, to not be excited about things. I know that's like the trend. It's like the coolest person in the room room, cares the least. And I'm like, that's so freaking lame. Like, it's okay to be excited about things. And it is certainly okay to be excited about what the Lord has done and who the Lord is. It's okay to get fired up during worship. It's okay to look at verse 12 and say, yes, Lord, I will rejoice because of what you've done and give thanks to your holy name. Because, friends, he is good, and he is the only one worth praising. It's only the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, right? Rejoice in who? Only the Lord, and give thanks to his name. That's what we do. That's what we get to do through song, right, here on Wednesday nights. But that's what we get to do with our entire lives. Every ounce of who we are wants to worship something. And so is God on the rightful throne of your heart right now? Is God the one who reigns over your life, over your week, over your day-to-day schedule, over your relationship, your finances? Is God over everything right now? Is he in the proper space of worship? Because I guarantee you, everybody in this room is worshiping something with their lives, with their words, with their thoughts. Everybody is worshiping. We get to respond tonight by doing just that we get to rejoice in the Lord. We get to do that through song. And friends, we have a reason to rejoice because God is good. Your loudest cry of praise, the most excited and loud that you ever get, shouldn't be because your sports team won. It shouldn't be because that girl finally texted you back. It shouldn't be because you got into that college. Our loudest cry of praise should be directed and saved for the Lord. Always. That's always what it is. If you are more excited about your sports team, if you are more excited about that person texting you back, if you're willing to say yes, like actually in real life, tell everybody about it, raise your hands, do all that. And the, the, the heart of worship while we gather here at church and the desire to worship the Lord through song just like doesn't stir you or move you, that might be evidence of what? A heart that isn't properly aligned possibly. I'm not calling anyone out. Something to think about, something to pray about. But friends, we have a reason to worship. So we're gonna do that right now. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Let's do that together as we sing.